You may kill me, but you may never insult me. Who am I? I'm Kevin Jack Sparrow. Get the truth about movies on the movie show. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. <laughs> Tell them, Sparrow! Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it. Mm -hmm. Hello? Joey, it's Ross. I need some help. Help has come your way because you are listening to the movie show. What is up? Hello? This is the movie show. On your favorite ORSPS. Active right? FM, ORSPS. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what that is, it is an abbreviation for... It's not an abbreviation. The word's not an abbreviation. It's not that... That grammatically is not Online. correct. Online. It is that thing where you take the first letter of every word in the sentence. <laughs> Wait, what is abbreviation then? An abbreviation is when you shorten the word. So including you put I in C yeah. out. Full stop. That's an abbreviation. Yeah. Yes. I almost feel like it's easier to say the whole word than to remember each letter. O R S. Do you want to say the whole? Um, no. The whole, no. Oh, I'll say it. It's an online radio station podcasting service. Ta oh, it's the radio before the podcast. Okay. Yes, all right. All right. Okay. You. Next time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Next time. Yes. Yes. This is Active FM, and you are listening to the movie show. And today we are going to be giving you a film review, but. Ryan, I didn't tell you about this part. I didn't tell you. Oh, and just by the way, I am Sash, and this is Ryan. Yes. Just before we get ahead of ourselves. If you guys don't, well, then that means it's the first time that you're listening to this mm -hmm. uh, show, podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I want to say thank you. And this is a virtual handshake. <laughs> there you go. There we go. So, Ryan, I didn't tell you I was going to give these two valuable pieces of information, but I thought I would because, you know, the film industry is a very current set of affairs, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So two big things that are happening or have happened in the film industry. Number one, Steven Spielberg is going to be directing his own biopic. What? <laughs> As in the biopic, which is like a biography in film form of himself, he will be directing. So, joining the likes of Varda, Jodorowsky, and yes, Madonna, Steven Spielberg is reportedly set to, to direct and write a movie about his life. Spielberg will pen the script alongside with frequent collaborator Tony Kushner, who worked with Spielberg on Munich, Lincoln, and other highly anticipated and long-delayed uh, stories like West Side Story, the remake. Per Deadline and The Hollywood Reporter, the untitled biopic will follow the director's early life growing up in Arizona. Production is scheduled to start in July, while the film slated for a 2022 release. Mike Michelle Williams, sorry, who has recently cast in the upcoming Peggy Lee biopic, has apparently been tapped to play Spielberg's mother, and, is, and casting is reportedly underway for the role of young Spielberg, and their money is on one of the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> so that is what is coming for us, people. A movie about Spe Steven Spielberg, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Steven Spielberg. And I bet you that his more modern self is going to be Steven Spielberg. No other but himself. <laughs> right? So th actually, that because has he ever, has, I've never seen him act. He's big. Cameos, isn't cameos, he? but like a cameo is a cameo. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not depleting or denouncing. It's, it's or not a main. Well, it's just it's it's a cameo. Do you but understand it, what I'm saying? 
It can be various roles, though. So but it can get made role. But he's being himself. So I suppose yeah. it's, you know, you might as well get the actual person, you know, if they're okay. available and in the industry and, yeah. I actually look forward to that film. Right? Believe that's, it or not. That's going to be pretty cool. And then the second thing, I was just like, what? I actually happened to be in Starbucks when I was on Instagram at this point and I saw this. I was like, seriously, seriously. And I just had to share it. Ryan, did you know that Avatar, James Cameron, 2009... 3D sci-fi adventure film has been re-released in China and after earning $8 million at the box office on Saturday alone has once again reclaimed the place as the highest grossing film not, inju- not adjusted for inflation at the global box office ever repeatedly earning a um, $2.8 billion over Avengers Endgame's comical close which was 2.797 so Avatar was re-released in China and has topped the box office again, making it the money, the film that's made the most money of all time again. Has made money, has just decided to throw another punch. Right. This film was released in 2009. It was re-released this past weekend and topped box office again. And China on, on right? top of that, that. They're just like, okay. Look, I wonder whose idea this was. The Chinese are going to get excited about it again. Let's go. <laughs> Release it, just, yeah, blow so, off the, the, the dust off those film canvases, whatever, and just shove it in there right. again. And You know what would be interesting now, though, to see what Marvel does, but both Marvel and Endgame's directors join Anthony Russo. If you're wondering, they actually congratulated Cameron on Twitter earlier um, on the day that the person at writing this article wrote. Then the tweet was this, passing the gauntlet back to you at Jim Cameron. Obviously referring to the Infinity Gauntlet. Yep. Um, yes. And the Russo brothers uh, tweeted, Marvel Studios wrote, congratulations to at J- Jim Cameron and John Landu and all of Navy Nation for reclaiming the box office crown. We love you 3000. Of course, all bets are off if Endgame ever ends up back in theaters. And let's be honest, given the chance once the pandemic is over, we'd see both back to back in theaters in a heartbeat. We'd probably be sobbing in relief so hard. We can't actually see the screen, but our ticket money still counts. So they reckon that if Marvel had to go ahead and re-release Endgame and Infinity War, that they would top Avatar again. But for me, okay. that's quite amazing that like over 10 years later, they re-released Avatar and <laughs> got their money worth, you know, reclaimed the crown. Yeah. I wonder why people would, ha- would, would go see it again. That'd be interesting, isn't it? There's people that haven't seen it because, I mean, think about it. The film's close on 12 years old now. Well, what happened in China in 2009? Was not released in China. Or? Well, think about it. The people not born in 2009 are now 12 years old. But they can hire off Google Movies or something. Yeah, but maybe they didn't know about it. Of course they did. Who doesn't wonder, know about it? I actually wonder if this wasn't a tactic of the cinemas in China. Because you know how we've been talking about how cinemas are coping because of the whole pandemic? Maybe for them they thought, why don't we reshow Avatar and see? Because I mean, this would have done, this would have done brilliantly, not just for Avatar and for James Cameron and for that whole production studio, but also for the Chinese cinemas. Because they would have brought in money from this. So maybe it was a tactic of the Chinese theaters and they were like, guys, we need to, we need, we need something and we need it now. Why don't we re-release Avatar? That was released 12 years ago. Exactly. My 12-year-old hasn't seen it. You know what? 
Let's try it. <laughs> and then they did it. Right. I think they should re-release um, the first Avenger. Who right? Was, it? It was Captain America, right? That was the first Marvel movie, yeah. Or was it Iron Man? No, Iron Man was the first. Yes, the they first should release job. it again. They, they technically include the Incredible Hulk, but that wasn't done by Marvel Studios. But they do include it in Phase One of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the first right. official Marvel film was Iron Man One. They should maybe see see how it goes. You never know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to or starting, not back to because we didn't start. The film that we will be reviewing today is a 2019 film. I can't believe we never did this film review. I thought we did. Serious. Uh, but I, I clearly think okay. we have done a lot of film reviews so and haven't. So this is what we're going to do. Sasha, you're going to write down every film you ever enjoyed. We're going <laughs> to okay. sit over a cup of coffee and we're going to discuss each one. Okay, cool. Because something tells me you've got treasure right? hidden there somewhere. And I think we've done a yeah. film. Remember, I thought yeah. we did 21 Bridges. And exactly. And then I was like, so we did a film review. Then Ryan's like, we never did it. I was like, oh, we didn't. So... so so, for, for any Showmax uh, subscribers, uh, 21 Bridges is now on Showmax, as well as this movie that we're going to be discussing today. That, that's how I came across I'm like, oh, look, that's there's Midway. That's how you came across it. Yeah. I was like, oh, Midway. I was like, cool, okay, now we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I watched it on Showmax, all right? Showmax is basically a streaming service. And it only came out, I'm, I'm not judging Showmax, that's not what I'm doing, I'm just questioning. So, it only came out now. Because this obviously was yeah. released end 2019. Because I remember going, yes. I watched this film in cinemas. In tw- uh, I'm sure it either was December 2019 or January 2020. But I have a feeling... Oh, it could have been actually... You watched been it in cinemas. So I watched it in cinemas, yeah. yeah. And do you know what actually happened with Midway? So if you know Midway, it is based on history where the Battle of Midway happened, which was just after the, event, the events of Pearl Harbor, which is World War II, etc., etc. But in 2019, we went to my grandparents for Christmas, and they we had never watched Pearl Harbor, which is a film by Michael Bay, brilliant film. We would never watched it. So my grandparents were like, well, do you want to watch it? So we were like, yeah, okay, cool. So we watched it. It was, it, it's a good film. I would highly encourage you to go watch it. But then after watching Pearl Harbor, we then went to cinemas and watched Midway. And for me, I loved it because Pearl Harbor is happened before Midway, the Battle of Midway. So Pearl Harbor yeah. gives you like, this is what happened at Pearl Harbor. Midway does show the events of Pearl Harbor, but not in detail. Because it's obviously now focusing on the Battle of Midway. And with a lot of less uh, lens flares. Because uh, <laughs> yes. Pearl Harbor was a Michael Bay movie. So and if you know Michael Bay, lens flares. there are lens flares all over the place. So yeah. when they did it, it was, it was a lot more like... Because, I mean, obviously, uh, Pearl Harbor is like an island. Like it's a mm. harbor of an island just off Midway. So, um, you know, it's quite weird. In Pearl Harbor, I actually got the impression that it was uh, now... You know, for all the people who are, you know, not really sure of their ge- ge- geologic Geographical. Yes, that one. <laughs> Locations and how, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the map. I thought Pearl Harbor was off like the coast of the US, like like in part of the the, the US. US, yeah. And then of course Midway, and then like this movie made me like look into it, and I was just like, oh, Pearl Harbor. First I thought, oh, is Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor on the Midway Islands? No, it's just off the Americans. Blah blah blah. The whole history. I was like, oh. So you see, through this film, I learned a lot. Yes. So this, can I be honest, this film and you, uh, Ryan, you said the same, we were chatting just before the show, and one of the things that you see, the actors, the screenwriter, the producers, the director himself, all of them spoke about the accuracy of this film, and that it wasn't a 
based on history with a lot of fiction added to it. Or, although they, they say that in the beginning, the minute I saw that, I was like, okay, so it's roughly accurate. Yeah, they that's say what you think, yeah. based on the events. Yeah, no, this one is like literally they've taken history and just put it into film form. Now, personally, for me, I vote that they should, and I know even the 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 main character himself, his name, the actor's name is Ed Screen. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. He or Screen. He actually said history would have been so much more interesting, and he probably would have learned a lot more if it was presented to him like this film. And for me, that would be so cool. Imagine if at school your history les- lesson was watching a film of what happened. Not, I'm not saying a documentary because we all had to watch those history documentaries, but like. For, and I know you do get the people that love history and they, they're prepared to read up the facts and what the, watch the documentaries and all of that. But the way they did this film was brilliant because they literally showed you what happened in sequence of how it happened, everything. It was like watching history. And they even said that in most characters, if not all characters, were actually based on actual people. So it yeah. really was historically... Yeah. Accurate, which was really, really nice. So it is yeah. a 2019 film. The budget for the film was 100 million US dollars, and the box office was 125.6 million US dollars. So they did do well at box office. The director is a German man named Roland Emmerich. Yes. For once, a World War film, and the Germans aren't involved, right? <laughs> Right? Mm. And it's a German, which is so weird because you wouldn't think a German would like make an American World War II film. If you're just because there's so much like history. Excuse right. the pun, behind. Yes. Maybe he was just tired of, you know, the Germans always being made look bad. So it was like, but the. But the funny thing is the, the Germans weren't. No, the Japanese were bad too. Let's, that's what I let's, love though about this film. And one of the actors actually said it. The antagonists in the film, antagonist is just the film term for the bad guy, yeah. weren't the Germans. They weren't. You didn't, you, you knew the Germans were attacking the Americans. But what yeah. one of the actors actually said was the antagonist of the film was war. In other words, the bad guy in this film was war. The whole concept of war, right. war in itself was the antagonist. So, which I really enjoyed because generally with war films, you have the good side and the bad side. But the thing is, at the end of the day, it was two countries against one another. And just because you were born in a certain country didn't make you the antagonist. It just made you part of that country, for example. So like the yeah. Japanese, I mean, there were good, there were good military minds in the Japanese army. And there were, do you understand what I'm saying? It was, it was Families trying to protect families and countries trying to protect. Well, they countries. had to go to war. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like you're gonna, like, imagine you're you're Japanese and now Japan goes off to war. You're not gonna now go to America and say, "I'm gonna fight on." Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's it's absurd to think. So, one of the things I really enjoyed was more than they did at Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. I would say the Japanese were the antagonists in Pearl Harbor, personally. In this one, it was more of a thing of, this is what the Japanese did. This is what, how the Americans responded. This is what happened, and let's just honor everyone. And like even Ed Screen, in one of his interviews, was saying that he was reading accounts because he is actually British. The guy, the, the main actor in the film, he's actually British. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And he was saying that he read up accounts of with, at the end of the war, when you know people, when they kept, captured either German or British soldiers, and when the soldiers actually spoke to one another, so whether it was a German speaking to an Englishman or an Englishman speaking to a German soldier, they all just said, 
that they felt like this was such a waste of time and waste of lives. And they were all following orders. And what they realized was they were all exactly alike. They were just fighting one another. But there was actually, the conflict was between politicians and governments. And do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so he was actually saying from that perspective, it's, we're all the same at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I actually came across, uh, there was a guy that was giving his testimony and, and he was someone that was in the World War. And he described uh, once where he had to kill, I, I think he was German, and he had to kill a French officer. And he, he described how he felt and how bad it was. But the thing that he was saying was that he spotted the French. That, I want you to think about this. He doesn't even know the French right, guy. Right. And the French guy doesn't know him. But what, what, what he first picked up was that, ah, the French guy is after my life. So uh, now he has to defend himself and he has to also now, I mean, the only way if someone's trying to kill you. To defend yourself. Yeah, to, I mean, you can try and put him down. I don't know, shoot him at the knee, kneecaps, take his weapons away. But it doesn't away. even, I don't know if you remember, what was that film, 1917? Yeah. Where they actually were trying to help, so that was it was the two British soldiers. They were trying to help the German soldier who had just been in a plane crash, and and he German just decided to like suddenly turned on them. Yeah, just, but I suppose at the same time he's also thinking, what are they going to? These do guys are going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's was a messy thing. It yeah. really is just a messy thing. Um, so that was the he's the director and he's done quite a few films. He's directed both Independence Day, so Independence Day 1996 plus Resurgence in yeah, 2016. Yeah, that's right. He also directed The Day After Tomorrow. He directed Godzilla in 98. He directed 2012 in 2009. He directed White House Down from 2013. That was a good film. I remember White House Down. He directed The Patriot in 2000 with Mel Gibson. And he directed 100,000 B- uh, BC, sorry. Which I enjoyed that film. Ryan, did you ever watch that film? No. I'll look for it on show next. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So he's directed, and there's lots of other films, but he's actually a very, very good director. A lot of the actors were actually saying, whenever this guy directs a film, it's a big scale. It's like huge. It's not, it's, you know, this is going to be one big scale. Film, yeah, uh, and then plus the cast, there was that there were a lot of good actors in it. So obviously we had Ed Screen or Screen. He played um, Dick Best. He was the main character, I'd say, throughout the film. Um, I've personally never. Okay, he has been in other films. He was. I haven't watched Deadpool though, so I don't know. But apparently he was in Deadpool. He apparently also was in Elite Battle Angel. But he also was in Maleficent, the second Maleficent. Which I did pick up after watching Midway. I was like, I'm sure this guy is the guy from Midway, but he was actually in Maleficent. And then also he was in a 2015 film called The Transporter, which I have not watched, but actually would be interested in watching. Then we had Woody Harrelson. He was good. I enjoyed Woody Harrelson. When I saw the name, I was like, yeah. I enjoy Woody Harrelson because he acts in such diverse roles, but he often also acts in good films. Like... But he's also like he'll be in comedy, he'll be in fantasy, he'll be in a history film, etc., etc. So that was that was really cool. Then Nick Jonas was also in the film. He was one of the pilots. He seems to like the pilot because uh, he, he was so also in Jumanji and he was also a pilot. pilot yeah. I really enjoyed Luke Evans as well. He was. I really enjoyed him. He was the lieutenant. Where else is he? Pl- oh, I recognize that guy's face. Fast and Furious. There you go. 
He was the guy in the office that was part of decoding the Japanese. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was there. Mandy Moore, I really enjoyed her. She was in the film. And Dennis Quaid, he was awesome. I really enjoyed Dennis Quaid. He was the captain of the the ship. What was that ship called now? I forgot the name. That big, the, the main. There were a few of them. Navy yeah, ship. The aircraft carrier. Yes. Yes. In the, yeah. So he was, he, he, I really enjoyed his acting and then there were other actors as well. But the cast, for me, the cast was, was very, very good. Now, just some background information. So after the dismiss, the, the dismal historical failure, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I do hear what they're saying. So they're saying that Pearl Harbor, <laughs> the film Pearl Harbor was a dismal historical failure. And I think the reason they're saying it was because they made a Hollywood blockbuster out of historic events. So they, they made it. Obviously, there was the whole romance story. And like they, do you understand what I'm saying? Like they just, they yeah. for more of like a fictional version right. of it. Which I think historians and, you know, maybe the Americans that are in the Navy and all of that didn't like. So they said after the dismal historical failure that was Pearl Harbor, Emmerich had more than a little difficulty getting the Navy Office of Information, which is the Navy division which provides assistance to films featuring the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps to help. So the director actually, he found it very difficult to get the whole Navy division that helps out films that are based on Navy, the American Navy, etc., etc. When he finally granted an audience, the NOI commander asked what the film would be about. So eventually he was actually able to get a, a meeting with them. And the, the reason why they were worried was because they were worried that it would be another Hollywood romance you know, that just based on a Navy, whatever, etc., etc. Emmerich, who along with the screenwriter uh, Wes took had done their research, informed them that the main character would be Dick Best. Emmerich said that the commander instantly relaxed, saying, whatever you need. So at first, he found it really, really difficult to actually get the Navy to back him in making this film. But I think when they realized he actually does want to make a historically accurate film, they actually were then more than happy to, to help out. But I just found that quite interesting that they, that they didn't like Pearl Harbor. Because for me... I enjoyed Pearl Harbor. I actually—that was more like just a film. Uh, I think that's more the based on uh, you know yes. real life events, and then we'll just add in some characters just to make it interesting. Yeah. You know, like the love interest. The, but for me, yeah. they normally do that with films. Do you get what I'm saying? That's—I like, I think that's why I enjoyed this one so much because yes. it was—it was—I mean, it was so accurate. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like uh, some of the some of the parts within the film. Uh, were were exactly what happened. Yeah. There's the one part where the character where um where what what the the Jonah brother which one Nick Jonah yes that one played and he jumped into a plane and he because there was a Japanese plane on basically a kamikaze pilot coming in and they're gonna like ram right into the the aircraft carrier 
and he jumped into one of the planes on the aircraft carrier and started using the gun to shoot down yes. and the plane just missed busy halfing that uh, plane in half obviously he survived but like an event like that happened so if you want to know exactly what happened at the, at the battle of midway this is it you, you know what i'm saying right. yeah if you're writing a history paper or whatever the, the, this is the film yeah for you. just if you're battling to study this is the film. The Battle of Midway. <laughs> Don't battle to study the Battle of Midway. <laughs> no, it is very, very good. And then also Midway was a passion pro- project for Emmerich, which he... Get, this is crazy. He had been working on... So the director had been working on this film for nearly 30 years. And the film was substantially funded privately. Great, Scott. Right. And this is why. So... This was a long-time passion project project for him. He first pitched it to studios in the 1990s who they didn't like the, the proposed budgets. They weren't happy with the proposed budgets. And in 2010, he then raised the money independently and finally began development in 2017. So for him, he wanted to make this film so badly that he was prepared to raise the money for it and even wait 30 years before he was able to do it and then and then did it but that's crazy for me i'm like this was a good film like production studios sometimes need to just you know like hold up and think maybe they threw uh paul harbour they were like but you guys did paul harbour you're like we did do paul harbour this is gonna be a follow-up it's gonna be brilliant this is a great idea why didn't you pitch this to us earlier and then it's like (laughs) uh anyway let's just make the movie and then just last interesting fact that has nothing to do with nothing, but it's an interesting fact. That's what trivia is. So there were fake Americans in the film. <laughs> so this film was America. Serious, eh? Yeah, really? There were fake Americans. Uh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> the, this film was America versus Japan. So obviously World War II wasn't just Japan versus America. There was obviously the, U, uh, the UK, uh, Germany, France. Italy, all of them. But specifically the Battle of Midway was Japan versus America and the whole events of Pearl Harbor, which is what got America actually into World War II because they weren't having it, obviously, after World War I and all of that because, you know, the Europeans all just start fighting with one another and then America was like, nope, we're not getting involved this time. But then the Japanese decided to go and... Yeah. Pull them in. Yes. Make them involved. Exactly. So the fake Americans in the film, first of all, Jake Weber, Luke Evans, and Ed Scrain are British that play Americans. But for me, the accents weren't bad. They were, yeah, for me, they weren't bad. I didn't find the accents. I wasn't listening that well then. I I was just like, whoa, what happened? Oh, my gosh. What is that? (laughs) And then there were three Canadians that played Americans. That was Alexander Ludwig, David Halwatt, and Jake Manley. So those were Canadians that played Americans, which is quite... But I feel like the Americans aren't that picky. The Brits are more picky when it comes to, we're making a British film. We will only have Britain people. (laughs) And then one Australian, because he can do a, a, a very good... British accent, so, <laughs> and that film was The Darkest Hour, if you don't remember, but I feel like right. the, the English are more picky when it comes to having an all-British cast, etc., etc., but I suppose they also have their own, their own industry. Yeah, well, probably British, right? I guess. But one thing I must say, and I know, Ryan, that you, there were times where you were like, mm, but the one thing that was amazing with this film was 
the VFX. Because, and the reason I'm saying that is because most of it was VFX. So, like, I honestly, and I went to watch this in cinemas, and generally, um, bad CG freaks me out. Like, generally, I'll be like, seriously, seriously. But the, the, it didn't bother me. It wasn't like a put off. I don't know if it was for you, but. Not necessarily a put off. Um, I was just like, mm, okay, really, you know. You know what I think happened? I think there was so much visual effects because most of it was visual effects. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so the, the parts that bugged me were uh, basically, so Pearl Harbor happens, the, the whole event of, of Pearl Harbor exploding, you know. Exploding. Yeah. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Yeah, explodes. so, the, the, you know, the, the, the close-ups were good. The, there was all of that was really, really good. Uh, when I looked at how much CG work had been done, a lot of add-ins and stuff like that, really cool. A lot of, obviously, exterior shots and stuff like that. But then there was specifically, specifically, the one shot where, um, you know, the aircraft carriers coming in now, they've, they've come into uh, Pearl Harbor, and they like driving past, well, you know, whatever, floating past <laughs> uh, Pearl Harbor. And you, there's this sort of foreground uh, and background feel. The, the whole background just looked, it looked flat and uh, it looked, it, there was not much realism to the actual render. So, there, I mean, it just looked really, really bad, to be honest with you. I was just, but, you know, you got the picture, you understood, okay, yes, they're driving past, okay, cool. You know, that type of stuff. And there was just um, some of, uh, especially with the Japs, their, their aircraft carriers when uh, they were, like, so obviously America bombs the hell out of them. And then you see them now watering and busy trying to kill the fire and take out the fire and stuff like that. There was just this very, um, this realism that was... You know, not there to it. I know that there were two, I don't know if there were more, but I specifically saw two uh, VFX companies involved. The one that I know very well, uh, Scanline. One of the shots that they had done, I was like, oh, so that was you. Really? Are you responsible? No, it wasn't really. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it just did. Bug. But yes, uh, like as she said, the CG was, I mean, first of all, the time that it's taking in. So, World War, they automatically, okay, we need CG, you need to replace. Um, backgrounds and stuff like that, but not only that, but most of the battle takes uh, it takes place in the air. So of course now you've got planes, you've got close-ups of the pilots while they're shooting and and stuff like that, and it really was uh, quite intense. But I mean, even in terms of the amount of 3D assets that needed to be created, because you've got, for example, you've got the Japanese aircraft carrier. Now there was two of them that were shown. Um, I, I think they're pronounced Kaga and uh, Contraman. Yes, um, the other one. But basically, both of them were built with, like, very specifically. So, in other words, they were reproduced. Mm. So, from the actual original designs, they, they were then modeled. All right. And even in terms of the Japs airbase, 160 unique props. So, even the trees, the different, um, you know, buildings, the towers, to even the sandbags. You look at that, how you had this whole island that they had to populate with 3D pop. Uh, it was crazy. 3D props. It was insane. It was. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very uh, detailed, tremendously no, detailed production. Even the USS Enterprise. Now listen to this, right? If you're into 3D, I, I, this is for the CG artists. Listen to this. 136,360 separate pieces. This is just the, the aircraft carrier. 
136,000. That was the, the American one, the Enterprise. That's, that's right. What it was called the Enterprise. Yes. That's right. That's 45.2 million polygons. All right. That is heavy in a render engine, by the way, I mean in a 3D package. That is crazy. Not only that, but that's create realistic um, oceans mm. to fill the backgrounds. Now, if you look at an ocean, you get ocean in the foreground, you get ocean in the background. That's to create, do, and even water simulation is like heavy, guys. It takes long for a machine to simulate that water. Not only that, but they actually found that just looking straight down at an ocean was actually boring. <laughs> so what they had to do is they actually recreate it and get it more interesting looking, which apparently was quite difficult to do. But if you look at the shots, they actually, I mean, they had clouds in the foreground because they're from above. They had the reflection of the water. So they really, really did well in terms no, of that. Really did just well. ah, that drive past the of Paul Harbour. Can, can we do like Someone a... Someone was tired. It was late at night. They were on budget and deadline, Ryan. Remastered. Just like, <laughs> hopefully no one notices. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the foreground just... It, it, it didn't... It wasn't well... Um, the composition, I think, might have been There's a problem. There's one... I think I might know which shot you're talking about. There was one shot I was like, hmm. But then... I don't, <laughs> there was one specific shot. There was fire and... They were, I don't know, I think they were trying to put it, uh, was it There was one? the ship's stern still like sticking out and I, I just, it I was just black. I talking about. There was like no, uh, it was just black and right, like, no highlights last, and just no shadow. And shot. I was just like, if I was playing a TV game, fine, but this <laughs> for a movie, no, come but on. But overall, it was good. Yes. It, wasn't, it was just, there was. The airplanes yes. were so good no, and the way that they shot them and the way the play, ah. Oh, and even with that, that the, the Enterprise, the, what they did was they didn't film that on sea. They're actually in a sound stage, this huge sound stage. Yeah. They went and built like a real size deck, and actually the other the other compartments of the the, the 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 aircraft carrier they built it. And the actors even said like the details that they put in, like it was great. They they said it was crazy. It really was on another exactly. level. So the the. Like like I said in the beginning with Roland Emmerich, when when he does a film, he goes big. Go big or go, go home. make the film. Yeah, or don't. Make, <laughs> well, you can go home and make a film. Yeah. Or just go home and watch a film. Yeah. But that was Midway. Very 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 good film. I actually would like to go watch it again. I it was from all aspects. The storyline was brilliant. The acting was really good. The CG, except for that one shot that um, they should have just, you know, yeah. done better. But otherwise, mm. the CG <laughs> was good. Yeah. So that's... You do get over it. Yeah. The, the rest of the film makes up for it. Yes, the rest of the film very good. does make up very, for very it. Very, very good. Yes. So, this has been the movie show right here on Active FM. And we have tons of other reviews, so you can go listen to them if you need a good film to watch, whether it be romance, drama, action, comedy, fantasy... What else have we done, Ryan? Sci-fi. Sci-fi, crime, old films, new films, bad films, good films. Every film that you want, we will give you film reviews for it. You can just go check out our yep. other shows. But we will be back for our next edition, next podcast, next review, yep. next week. And probably with a whole different film. Right. Completely different. Ryan and I will do that list of films that I think we've done a review on that we actually haven't. And we shall bring them to you ASAP. <laughs> Aren't you looking forward to that next week? Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. So this is the movie show signing out. From myself, Ryan. And myself, Sash. Goodbye. Peace out. Edgy.
enjoying the Active FM shows? Well, then catch us on Instagram at Active FM triple seven, Twitter and Gab at Active FM, Facebook at Active FM forward slash triple seven, as well as YouTube at Active FM and our website at www.activefm.co.za. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. Find, follow, and enjoy us on all our different platforms. You don't want to miss out.